Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, I've been talking about the I Work For Him Nation each and every day for the last couple of months, and I want to welcome a new member to the I Work For Him Nation. I got an email last Friday saying, hey, Jim, this is what I want to do. Jim, I want to be part of the I Work For Him Nation. I want to make an impact in my workplace. I'd like to welcome Lynn Ewanitis to the I Work For Him Nation. She sent me a super long, super special uh, email. I can't read it all, but I just want There's another person saying, I want to stand up for Christ in my workplace. I want to make an impact in my workplace. You know, in our never-ending desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work, today we're talking about opening the long-closed doors to Cuba with a couple of guests in the studio. Dan Schock, Area Director of the Christian Businessmen's Connection, and Jerry Dyke, Director of Mass Evangelism for East-West Ministries. These guys are joining us for our discussion, but before, let's just read a verse of Scripture. The Great Commission is very, very specific. Then the eleven disciples, this is from Matthew, chapter 28. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Dan Schock, Jerry Dyke, welcome to the I Work For Him show. It's good to be with you, Jim. All right, we had a rough and tumble way to get here today. You know, we were fighting hurricane force winds, uh, lightning flashing all over the place. Jerry came in a little wetter than all of us. But I want to thank you guys for making the commitment to get through the floods and the rains and the wind and everything just a bit. Hey, I appreciate the seatbelt and the helmet that you gave me just now. (laughs) Yeah, going home. Well, yeah, that's right. When the tornado goes overhead, don't worry. If we start to sound far away, we're getting the Dorothy effect. But don't worry about that. I think that stuff's already passed. Listen, as we, we talk today our conversation as it always is i always want to focus it on what kind of an impact is christ making in your lives today so before we get into talking about cuba before we get talking about east west ministries before we get talking about christian businessmen's connection in the upcoming tampa mayor's prayer breakfast i want to first hear how is christ making an impact on your life jerry dyke how is christ making an impact today in your life wow just being here uh being with youtube reconnecting with Dan, who I got to spend a week with down in Cuba, uh, just praying for this opportunity to be with you guys, talking about what Jesus is doing in Cuba and around the world. Um, and it is just uh, absolutely uh, uh, turning my life upside down, just what I'm doing right now. So yeah, I, I love uh, working for Jesus full time now and uh, and just glad to be here. We're going to hear about your past in just a little bit, but I appreciate you sharing that. Dan, how's Christ making an impact in your life today? Getting off of uh, pneumonia, traveling for two weeks. I've been on the road, and uh, my wife and baby came up and met me in Georgia, and we drove up to North Carolina and just spent time with the family of God up there. And I'm just amazed at the places that I go and the people that I get to meet that are brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, just, just how I have this family that's everywhere. Uh, that are believers and uh, just how they welcome me everywhere I go. And so that's why I'm so happy that Jerry's with us today. He's traveling from Texas to be with us from East West Ministries. And I met Jerry in Cuba, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But just being a new dad and and uh, coming on staff with CBMC as a full-time missionary has been uh, very impactful. It's helping me transition from you know the business world into the spiritual world and how you're supposed to do things from a day-to-day basis from a spiritual perspective. Well, and and really, but isn't it true, as you're learning on how to apply your walk with Christ to your ministry each and every day, aren't those same steps applicable to somebody that's sitting in the business office today? Absolutely. Here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that faith and exercising faith and learning to walk by faith and not by sight is applicable more than ever in the business world. Yeah, and and it's it's great to see to hear you say that, and and that's really the challenge that we want to put out from the show is that yes, you're you're launching a ministry. I mean, CBMC's never had a full time person on staff here in Tampa Bay, right? Not for forty five years. Well, okay, so okay, not in all of your lifetime they've never had anybody. So you're you're laying groundwork for something that hasn't been done in, in half a century, and, and what you're learning as a business guy is that you you're learning all those steps to help instill in other people on how to put your faith at the forefront, at the center of everything that you do. Absolutely. And I'm learning that God has a certain way of doing things. And oftentimes, his way of doing things is just a little different from my way of doing things. That would be that my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. That's right. That's right. And it's teaching me more and more day by day to trust him more, to get the focus off of me, get the focus where it should be on him, and letting him to to lay out the, the priorities of my life and the priorities of the ministry and the priorities of the business at hand. 
Well, and, and you're working with business people all over Tampa Bay, and, and I know the challenge. You've been raising funds. You've been raising support. You went from having a full-paying job to a job that paid you nothing, and you had to raise the support for it. That's right. And I know you got a lot of people out there helping with support, but that's a major step of faith. And when you're looking, okay, Lord, you asked me to do this. Now, I need this much money to live. And all of a sudden, you realize you've been in this. You, Ten months are you into this? Yes. Ten months into this, you realize, number one, you didn't need as much money as you thought. That's right. Because God stretches the money. <laughs> That's right. I've learned this lesson. I'm just about a year ahead of you. You don't need as much money as you thought. God makes the money stretch further than you ever imagined. And we serve a crockpot God, but we work in a microwave world. And we want, we want, that's what Buck Jacobs said. It's not mine from C12, Buck Jacobs. But, you know, we learned that nothing moves as fast as we'd like it to move. But it's in God's timing. It's always perfect. I'm learning that the greatest thing that I encounter with the greatest need, the greatest uh, hurdle with business people is learning to actually trust in the sovereignty of God. Is he really in control? Does he really have this? Is my funding, we were talking about funding, is my funding actually under his control? And I'm learning that it is. Well, I mean, the obvious answer is, of course it is. But that's one thing to say, yeah, I, I believe it. And it's another thing to actually really believe it, take it to heart. I mean, those attributes of God. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He, he's in control of it all. And yet, to, to grab onto those attributes and hug them and say, okay, yes, I'm going to walk in this faith. It's a big step. And the more personal attributes is about his graciousness. Mm, his graciousness to God. me. His mercy to me. His love of me. He's got this. He's got my back. He loves me. He's provided for me. He's miraculously saved my life. I mean, I, I'm just, Jim, I'm learning every day. I haven't figured it all out, but I'm learning to trust him. But doesn't it screw with your head? And I, and I use those words very spe- specifically because as a business guy, you've been successful in business. You've got, you've got buddies who are looking at you like, Dan, you gave up a good paying job. You had the potential to make all kinds of money. And now you're in ministry and you're barely paying your bills. And, and you don't doesn't it mess with you, though, because you, you're, you're going, I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, but man, all these guys are out here doing all this stuff, and, and I'm, I miss it a little. Well, I mean, again, I think that, that God has each person that's listening out there that's driving home in the bad weather, God has your best interests at heart. And oftentimes, I think people confuse the abundant life for the prosperous life. Mm -hmm. And the abundant life sometimes involves trials and tribulations. I think God wants to get a return on the investment. When he spilled a drop of blood for you, (laughs) and he spilled a drop of blood for me, and he wiped out our sins Mm. and promised us eternal life, and then went about orchestrating events in our lives to help get the best return on what type of character and integrity we're going to bring along the way and and form in us a heart that's going to be useful in his kingdom and helping other people. That doesn't just happen. And, you know, I was born a very greedy guy. I mean, my business acumen, I've got to take that and, and that I'll tell you right now what that was worth. My greed and my business acumen, I climbed to the top of the corporate ladder in several businesses. And I'll tell you what that's worth right now. Exactly zilch. Because the living God got a hold of my heart. Not only did he get a hold of my heart, but he's proven himself to me. He saved me. He's taken me and done a complete heart transplant. And he's taken that old guy out of me. And he saved me and replaced me with, with a whole new spirit. He's regenerated me. And it's a, it's a miraculous change in my life. And I can't say that the transference of wealth or funds 
it's incomparable to what he's promised me. And I don't, and I'm not questioning that. I totally get that. And I get that the adversity, you said that the abundant life may include trials and tribulations. No, the, the abundant life absolutely will include trials and tribulations because God needs to take us from who we are to who he can use. And that's part of the abundant life. And remember that we get to take that relationship with us when we die. All of the stuff we're experiencing here, that we take with us. That experience, that relationship with our Heavenly Father, that comes with us. That's the one thing we get to take. That There's no U-Haul, but there's our, our spirit, our relationship with our Heavenly Father continues on. Eternity starts when we give our lives to Him. It's just that every once in a while I look back and go, hmm, but I miss it. Every once in a while, I just, I, I miss it. I just, I, you know, none of my other friends are in the same spot I'm at. And so I just miss it. I just I was just asking a question. I'm glad you're not struggling. So when you are, you just call me and say, hey, Jim, why did you deal with that again? you got to surround yourself with people that just lift you up and help you in those days when you're struggling. Well, I mean, the one thing I'll say is this. Uh, a really wise pastor told me one time, Dan, your relationship with Christ is going to be more valuable than any other thing that I could possibly teach you, give you, or that you're ever going to earn. So when it all falls apart, remember this you've got the lord Mm -hmm. and that relationship that relationship when you concentrate on that relationship and building that relationship the ministry that i'm involved in this any success that i claim in my marriage it's a byproduct of my relationship with the lord and so there's a lot of people out there that are struggling and they're striving and they need something today today before they get out of the car and i would encourage you lift that up to the lord the lord has your back he loves you he died for you and he wants to be in this personal relationship with you and i think that the the result of that relationship becomes the byproduct of all the things that we enjoy i i agree all right we're gonna give your voice a little rest we're gonna hear from jerry jerry I don't know anything about you except what I've read on the, online, and it all seems nice. You married to Kathy 33 years. Is that still up to is that still 34, yeah. 34 years? Yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty good. You had a 33-year career with Coca-Cola. Third, yeah. That part's right. Okay, I just, I'm, I've yeah. read the East-West yeah. ministry stuff. How did you and Dan meet? Well, we met in Cuba. I uh, met in, uh, in the Miami airport, actually, on our way to Cuba. Uh, Tell them the truth. Yeah. <laughs> No, I can't tell you. You got to tell them the truth. This oh is a no! Great story. Wait, come on! No, this is the truth. This <laughs> we met in the uh, airport. Me and Jerry had never you were met in the bathroom when you jumped no, in the bathroom. No. Okay, no. we met on a mission trip uh, to Cuba, and I showed Jerry a picture. He's going to throw me under the bus right <laughs> now. He is. I, I showed just... I showed Jerry a picture of my new baby. <laughs> oh no! And this is what he says to me. Is that your grandson? <laughs> oh, nice, yeah. nice. Well, you know, I, I was. Been I, I knew that I was going to be rooming with Dan in Cuba. I, I had never met him, but I, our coordinator for the trip, David Winley, had said that uh, you're going to be rooming with this guy, and, and I pictured this guy who was kind of my age for that reason. And so, while I didn't meet him, and he didn't obviously he wasn't as old as I was, but I thought he might be a little old to start a family. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got I'm started sorry, a little late in life, uh, listening I, audience. Yeah, yeah, so so that, that, you that got started right on yeah, time. So that was the beginning of our relationship. And it's nice. Uh, it's gone up from there. That's not near as bad as asking a woman if she's pregnant and <laughs> yeah. she's not. So that's, that's so you're okay, Jerry. It's uh, not. Dan, near as... I can't believe you did that. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's okay. I, I, I deserve it. Though. Well, I'm I'll sure just I say I this: yeah. me and Jerry no. have a unique relationship. <laughs> well, apparently, well, you spent some days in Cuba, which is such a privilege. I mean, I, everything I'm hearing coming out of Cuba is that Cuba is 
the fastest growing. I mean, they're so hungry for the gospel. It's a, yeah, it's the fourth. It has the fourth fastest growing church planting movement in the world, behind China, India, and Vietnam. And it's an island the size of it's New 14, Jersey. Fourteen million people. Yeah, it's got sixteen provinces, and East West has a provincial leader in each one of those provinces. So wow. uh, yeah, so we they're, they they've been working in Cuba for several years. So we now we. Uh, so uh, it's been a, an, a, a, an island nation that we've had our eye on and, and certainly uh, have been wanting to get the gospel there as fast as we can. Mm. All right. When we come back from the break, Jerry, I really want to hear about your career, about how God brought you from 33 years at Coca-Cola into the ministry and what, what that transition looked like. And, and first of all, how your faith grew as an executive within Coke and then how God transitioned you from one career into another. I really want to hear about that. Before we get to your story, i got to do my book highlight segment. So hold that story. Go ahead. All right. Our book highlight today is When Helping Hurts, written by Brian Fickert. A short explanation. Churches and individual Christians typically have a faulty assumption about the causes of poverty, resulting in the use of strategies that do not that do considerable harm to poor people and themselves and their economies. When Helping Hurts provides foundational concepts, clearly articulated general principles and relevant applications. The result is an effective and holistic ministry to the poor, not a truncated gospel. Listen, this is a book if you have a heart. For the mission, if you have a heart for the poor, you need to read this book to make sure that you're not doing damage and that you're not hurting economies when you're giving money into poor countries and to poor neighborhoods. And remember, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, call into the studio line now at 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929, and we'll send you a gift card to Karis Christian Books and Gifts. And you can use it to buy that book, When Helping Hurts, by Brian Fickert. All right, talk to me, Jerry. Start it off. How did this, this you worked for 33 years for Coca-Cola. Did you start at the bottom loading, on the loading I dock? I did. I actually started on a truck in Austin, Texas in 1978 and uh, started working my way up through the system and uh, got uh, to national sales, uh, became a national account executive in the last 15 years of, of my career. Uh, but I had been involved in missions uh, as a, you know, working in the corporate world. I had a heart for Haiti. I was a preacher's kid, and uh, my dad took our family to Haiti in 1969. So I, wow. I started uh, thinking about missions, or you know, throughout my career. Married a, a Christian young lady in Austin, Texas. It really had a made an impression on my life, and we had a lot of uh, a great Bible teaching in the churches that we grew up in. But that influenced me as a as a in corporate America, and you know, as I advanced through through uh, Coca-Cola, uh, being a route supervisor, a ma- you know, account manager, I had opportunity to share my faith along the way, and I did. I, I was pretty intentional about sharing the gospel with, with the guys around me, and uh, and so as I, uh, in 1998, I had opportunity to go to Haiti uh, with uh, an organization to do a short-term mission trip down there, and while I was there, and my parents, by the way, got went, went with me on that trip. That was really uh, that would have been pretty cool. neat back to Haiti after thir- 29 years, so, uh, but I had it in my heart to that sometimes you know, in my life, I'd like to end my career with Coca-Cola and go into full-time missions. Uh, I didn't know when that would happen. I, I thought sometime, you know, in an early retirement type of uh, a scenario. So, 
um, in uh, in 2012, uh, I was in Jacksonville and working for the company, managing a, a Winn-Dixie account, very familiar account here in the southeast. Sure. And uh, there was uh, some reorganization going on, and uh, God kind of pushed my timeline up a little bit, a little bit further, faster than I was ready for it. Uh, that and, happened. To uh, me. But I ended up back in San Antonio. And listen, before we get to talking about Cuba, Jerry, I want you to talk about the transition. How did God move you from 33 years at Coca-Cola selling one of the best drinks ever made for man, Coca-Cola, except for Mountain Dew, of course. (laughs) How did he move you from there to East-West Ministries? What was that transition like? How did he shift your paradigm? Well, well, he took my job away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, We went through a reorg, and I took a severance with the company and moved back to Texas, which is home for us. And when I moved back to Texas, I I connected with a gentleman with East-West Ministries International, and he was the director of uh, Muslim Had you you heard of them before? I had. Okay. Uh, The the founder was, uh, one of the founders was a uh, member of our church in Jacksonville, so I knew about East-West. And it was an organization that I would uh, love to be a part of, but it, you know, and at some time in my career or sometime in my life, I thought I would. Uh, but at the time, I wasn't ready. And uh, I was challenged by this dear brother on staff to consider going into full-time ministry instead of going back into full-time uh, corporate world because that's what I was pursuing at the time. And after a lot of time on my knees, a lot of time in the Word, a lot of time seeking biblical counsel. Uh, a lot of time talking with your wife, Kathy? A lot of time talking with Kathy. We, we spent a lot of time in the Word and on our knees together. And finally, uh, after about five months, I knew that God was telling me he wanted me in full-time ministry. And so I called up the, my contact at East West, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm coming on staff. And, and uh, last May, I went off to India for a while and came back and went through boot camp. And uh, I've been on the road talking uh, about East West ever since. I was in Cuba with Dan in February. But it's been a, just an unbelievable ride, and I am so uh, blessed to be a part of what God is doing uh, through East-West around the world, uh, connecting with people like you. I mean, I would have no reason to be here today if I hadn't made this transition, and yet here we are talking about what Jesus is doing around the world through this ministry. Yeah, it's fantastic. So do you and Kathy get to do a lot of ministry together, or is she back in Austin while you're traveling? Yeah, so Kathy, right now my primary focus is to raise raise support. Cause You're I'm, support, I'm like, okay. man, you know, I I don't get a salary for this, so I'm I'm in the process of raising my support. Uh, but you, you Kathy, mean your salary is out of this world. <laughs> it is out of this world. It's eternal. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so Kathy's uh, she has a little part time job. We liquidated everything we own. We eliminate all our debt. And we're in a little two bedroom apartment with a attached garage. Everything we own in life is there with us, and we're 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 content. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. A, uh, phenomenal what God has done in our lives to move us from the big salaries, big houses, you know, nice cars, to uh, being content with uh, you know, a couple of bedrooms and a little small kitchen, and <laughs> here, here we are. If I could die on one hill in Christianity, it will be so that missionaries like you, who are going after full support, will stop, will, will, will no longer have to raise all their support. Obviously, some of the support raising is real character building. Obviously, I've learned that personally, but there are so many Christian businesses out there that could easily, if they would just tithe off their profits into kingdom impactful ministries, could easily help support guys like you. And I know some of them are already doing that, but there's so many that don't. And we need to educate them because creating an ongoing revenue stream for missionaries so that when they come off the field, they don't have to raise money all the time. Because number one, it's the one thing that most missionaries, you guys are different. Most missionaries are horrible at it. You guys are business people. You understand it. It doesn't make it easy. 
But most people that are missionaries that are out there pastoring and preaching and discipling in foreign worlds, when they come home, they need a rest. They don't need to be raising money. And as Christian business people, we need to fix that. We need to fix that. That paradigm doesn't match. It's not what Paul had to do. I mean, it, it, it's it, anyway, we got to fix that. All right. So I want to talk about Cuba. Actually, before I do that, we got to talk about the mayor's prayer breakfast. <laughs> okay, because we've we got so much to cover today, but we're going to cover these last two things. May the 12th, 6.30 a.m., Tampa Convention Center, the 45th annual, is it 45th? It's the 44th. 40, well, it's the 44th annual Tampa Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, found online at tampaprayerbreakfast.com. We're expecting 1,000 people, and this is an event to bring one Christian to nine non-Christians. Nine pre-Christians to one Christian. Rent a table for for ten people. Bring nine of your non-Christ-following friends and let them hear the gospel as shared by Pat Williams. I love it. That's exactly right. So TampaBayBreakfast.com or TampaBayPrayerBreakfast.com. You can find all the details. We spend an entire year preparing for this one event. And this is an outreach. This is a unique event where we're going to have uh, the general manager and the co-founder of the Orlando Magic, Pat Williams, come in. He's going to share his testimony. He's going to share a unique gospel presentation. And this is the event that you can pray about bringing your friend, neighbor, co-worker. Here we go, Marketplace Ministry. Mm -hmm. Pray about bringing one person. You can sponsor a table and bring nine if you have that kind of faith. I would challenge all of our listeners today. That was kind of a throwdown statement. Well, I would like to challenge our listeners today. I know everybody's driving home in the rain. You know, it's the end of the day. Your your stress levels are high. Would you pray for one thing? I mean, I'm going to ask you to pray for Jerry and, and, and for you and myself, but pray about bringing one person to this Tampa Bay Mayor's Prayer Breakfast. I want to make a promise to you. You're going to have somebody come to a unique non-confrontational presentation of the gospel. They're going to love it, first of all. It's early. You get out early. It starts at 6.30. Tampa Convention Center, you're out by 8.15. You can go to work. But if you'd pray about and ask God to send you one person to bring to this thing, you might be surprised that they might just get saved. 93 people made first-time decisions last year, and 152 made rededications, as indicated on our decision cards. Please pray about bringing somebody May 12th to the Tampa Convention Center. Yep, and find out more online on how to sign up. TampaBayPrayerBreakfast.com or Tampa Bay... You give me the website. TampaBayBreakfast.com or TampaBayPrayerBreakfast.com. Right, it's both of them. So go out there right now. How many people... I had Keith on here last week, beginning of last week. There was 600 to 700 signed up already. Do you have any idea where we're at from now? We're shooting for 1,000. Shooting for 1,000. We did have Pat Williams on here, too, and it was a great interview. Boy, that it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. All right, so what brought you two to Cuba? Why did you go? I'll tell you, it's it's just God. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Jim, I'm in the middle of a business marketplace ministry. We've got the Marketplace Ambassador event going every other month, the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast. We've got weekly meetings that we're going. And then all of a sudden, a friend of mine called me and said, somebody dropped out on a mission trip. They're going to Cuba. Would I like to go? And he pressured me. He said, listen, I need an answer within 72 hours. So I said, well, my answer right now is 99%. I can't do it. But let me pray about it. And I've learned that in this faith journey, that when I get an opportunity to serve like this, I take it very, very seriously. And I asked him, let me pray about it before you fill the spot. Because, number one, I was interested. But I've got a new baby at home. There's all these things going on. And there's a whole arm-length list of reasons why I couldn't go to Cuba. But I prayed about it. And you know what? The Lord, (laughs) he orchestrated the events where I could go. Now, the mission. 
what was the mission? I asked the guy that invited me, and this is Andrew Prilliman from the National Christian Foundation. I said, Andrew, what is the mission exactly? He goes, we're going to go support the local church that's kind of underground, and there we're going to go door to door, knocking on doors, evangelizing, sharing the gospel. And boy, you want to talk about something coming up in my throat? <laughs> that scared me. Mm-hmm. It scared me, mm-hmm. and it challenged me, and I prayed about it, and the Lord just opened the door, and I just, look, I want everybody out there to know something. I'm all in. I am all in. If the Lord wants me to cash out the bank account, sell the house, go to Africa, I'm just all in. He owns me. He mm-hmm. bought me. He owns my life. And if he makes it abundantly clear that he wants me to do something, I will do it. And he made it abundantly clear that Cuba was open. And, uh, you know, I never really thought about Cuba. I thought communist. I thought closed. But I never really thought about the plight of the people there, the oppression that's gone on the entire time. And uh, I was intrigued. I was intrigued. And when I got there, wow, was I blown away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely blown away at the people. The people were warm and friendly. It was like, I don't know, the 1950s. They're hungry. Mm -hmm. You go and knock on the door, and they're like, sure, come on in. And they'll feed you from their allocation of food, and they have nothing. Look, they are poor. They don't have much, and they have some different ideas about things. But I'll tell you this. They were warm. They were welcoming. They were friendly. And we were out in the country. We were outside of Havana. But uh, they invited us into their home, and they allowed us to share our faith with them. And uh, I was blown away at the number of gospel presentations that we were fortunately allowed to make and how many people accepted the Lord. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. So, Jerry, why'd you go? Well, uh, it's an opportunity for with East, with East West. Um, uh, I am, like I said, my primary responsibility right now is to raise my own support. But I asked to go on another trip just so I can kind of keep the momentum going. Uh, and so the uh, the team leader, our team leader, uh, with the, it was an East West trip. East West, we, we're actually taking twenty five teams to Cuba this year. So almost. And they're business back. trips, right? Now, would you have to classify them? There? What do they? Well, what do you have to call them in order to go? They can be. Uh, uh, tourist. Uh, we did have some of the team went in on religious visas, but uh, we have to be under, you know, we have to keep fly under the radar, so to speak, and, uh, you know, we don't make a big deal out of it, but uh, there are, God is doing an amazing thing. And so with East West, we actually have translators on the ground ready to pair up with every American that's go- that goes on one of these trips. And so when we hit the ground with this team in, in Cuba or wherever else in the world that we go, that American is ready to share the gospel through a translator wherever we drop them off in that. In in that country and they spend the whole day doing nothing but sharing the gospel with the people that they come in contact with so most mission trips here's where a mission trip goes awry for all the people out there you know it it's logistics mm-hmm. east west put together the most logistically sound trip mission trip that i've ever been on i didn't worry about food transportation visas where i was going to sleep all i did was ministry almost 24 hours a day it was unbelievable and praise god for that yeah, and so uh, so that's very common for us then, uh, because we've been doing it for so many years, uh, to be able to put together a team, take, it to Cuba, take them to Cuba, and make sure that the focus is sharing the gospel with the people. And the people are responding. And you know, you can go out and share, share the gospel, and, and people may or may not respond, but you know when the Holy Spirit is going before you, mm-hmm. because people are responding. So then, in, in Cuba, we shared the gospel with 330 people, and 201 placed faith in Christ. In seven days. So it was 13 on the ground, sharing the gospel from sunup till sundown. And some of the highlights of the trip is sitting at the table at the end of the day. I get choked up thinking about it, talking about 
the power of God descending on that community that we were working. And, and the people were responding. And, and, and seeing the lives that were changed around the table, the Americans that went, like Dan, they were scared to death going on a, on a short-term mission trip, not really knowing what to expect. But at the end of the day, when we're sitting around the table debriefing from the day and we're just can't you know nonstop talking about the excitement that we witnessed during the day, it's just really an exciting thing to be a part of. And, and we're doing this in 48 countries around the world. And uh, uh, we have about 75 teams that we're leading around the world this year, and it's uh, just a blessing to be a part of this ministry. Cuba is on fire, though. Cuba hey, make is on no fire. mistake. God's opening up Cuba. Yeah. He's opening it yeah. up. He loves the Cuban people. So that's another way that God moved the heart of a man who has no regard for God. Because that was opened up because of what President Obama did. And he didn't open it up for gospel evangelism. You said it. <laughs> That's right. You know, yeah. Dan made a comment earlier. Just the people, he, 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 the people were ready to receive the gospel, and you know, just made me think of a couple of Bible verses. You know, in John four, Jesus said, uh, "Do not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for his eternal. So that who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together." That is happening in Cuba right now. The, the, the harvest is white, and we are seeing a, a mighty harvest going on right now in Cuba. And, and I would encourage everybody listening, if you've been praying about what you can do for the kingdom, if, if you don't think that you're a, a goer, uh, I would encourage you to pray a little harder about that. But you can certainly be a sender. And there are people in your community who would want, who would give up a week of vacation and go on a short-term mission trip to share the gospel. And Cuba's not that hard to get to. It's easy to, to get in and out of right now. And so I, I would highly encourage everybody listening to pray about going to Cuba on our mission trip. Talk about the culture, what you saw. Because all we've seen in the last six, well, I'm fi- almost 50 years old. So well, all we've seen since I was a little kid is uh, 50s, 1950s style cars. Um, you know, it's, I mean, really just dirt poor people. Is it still, is that what you saw? I mean, is that what you saw? Just a, a culture that has been on standstill for 60 years? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's poor. Uh, certainly very, compared to the United States, very poor. But, you know, I've, I've been to Haiti, too. And Haiti is is, is has a, a different poverty. You know, they're, they're, they don't have a, kind of the infrastructure that even, you know, it's, it's a communist country and the people are in bondage. But they have a little more infrastructure. They have paved streets, curb, inside plumbing, and a lot of that. Uh, but um, but it is you know it's poor it's poor people do without they have to sacrifice a lot and uh, you know it's it's a blessing to be a part of and obviously it puts in perspective what we have here in the United States. Were you guys able to get all the food you needed for? I mean, because we eat a lot more than they do. I lost seven pounds, <laughs> but it was because of the walking. Yeah, we had a tremendous amount of uh, rice, beans, chicken, meats, kind of hard to come by. Lots of fruit and vegetables. We've been talking about how God has been moving and on them as they went on a missions trip to Cuba and all of the cool things that are going on in Cuba. Dan, you said you had a story you wanted to share. Well, you know, I was challenged to share the gospel every day, all day. and I've Which is never, something nobody in America ever gets to do. Well, I've never done it, that's for sure. But what I found was the more I talked about the Lord and what the Lord's done to reconcile our relationship between God the Father and our sin problem, um, I found that so many people, you know, they had an issue with why they hadn't accepted Christ before. And I wonder if that's true here. So, in other words, I would explain to them, you know, here's a holy and righteous God. 
and he wants to have fellowship with us. But because he's holy and righteous and he judges sin and we're sinners, you know, there's a problem there. And his solution was Jesus Christ. And I would ask the Cuban people, why do you think more people don't accept this free gift of salvation? And, and if they were honest with me, they would come up with, with reasons. Uh, one guy said, well, listen, I just don't want to stop having fun. I don't want to stop drinking. One guy said, my politics won't allow me to do this. And everybody had a reason. And I had to tell each person lovingly and, and, and from my heart that we're not talking about stopping drinking. We're not talking about your politics. We're talking about your relationship with your creator hmm. and how he's knocking on the door of your heart right now. And he wants to have fellowship with you. He loves you. He created you. And he is knocking on your door right now. Don't pass up this opportunity. And I was amazed at how people would just all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would start to work on somebody's life. And then they would come to faith right in front of me. And it was amazing. It was such a privilege, Jim, to be at the end of this fertilization and seed planting. You could tell that this was a process that other Christians had been working on. And we came in at the very end. This has never happened to me before. It was almost like we were cutting fruit at the very end of people had been praying and they had been working and church workers from the local church had been working with these people. It was amazing to see God allow us to participate uh, in this way. Guys, the people out there that are driving home, I know it's wet. I know it's rainy. I know you're tired. Pray about going on a mission trip. Pray about a short-term mission trip. It is life-changing. It Every, was for me. Everybody in the United States needs to go to a third-world country mm-hmm. and experience a third-world country. Because you'll come back with a perspective, number one, to appreciate what you have. Number one, to learn to be content. It's a lot easier to do what Paul said. I've learned to be content. But it's your life, you'll, your paradigm shifts permanently when you go to a third-world country. Mm-hmm. You now have a perspective. What, what I, I want to ask the question, how do we help Cuba without screwing them up the way we've screwed up the church in America? How do we keep them from, how do we keep them unified? How do we keep the movement of the spirit going unfettered by denominations, organizations, people? Well, everybody that is involved in missions or any kind of ministry has to suspend their own agenda. It can't be about us. We have to stay focused on Jesus. This is not our work. This is his work. Everybody, there are a lot of good intention, you know, people that go into to missions, and they, there is sometimes a stories of screwing things up, as you say. Uh, so the, the the real, I think, challenge is to just suspend our agenda. That was a term I learned in the corporate world. Sometimes you go into a sales call, you have to suspend your agenda because there's something else on your customer's agenda. Well, that's worked well for me going into ministry. I no longer have an agenda. You know, Dan says, I'm all in. I can tell you, I witnessed that in, in his heart over in Cuba. Mm-hmm. He is all in. And uh, and I, I am too. I mean, it's, it, God is doing a process in, in both of our lives as we're going through these, these months of, of transition. But we have to be focused on Jesus. We have to be willing to collaborate with other ministries. We, we shouldn't be tripping all over each other for possessing something that doesn't belong to us. It's, it's God. Ooh, we got to write that down. And so, Say that again. We got to not be tripping over each other trying to possess something 
that that belongs belongs to God. To God. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. It's His world. It's His creation. It's His plan. He's got the redemptive story. He's done all the work, and He's given us the opportunity to be a part of it. It's, it's an exciting opportunity. All right. Part two of this conversation is going to be live on Thursday's show. I'll be out of town, and I've got Dan and I've got these guys both coming. Dan and Jerry are both coming back on Thursday to kind of take this conversation to the next level and really take it deeper. So make sure you tune in on Thursday's show this week and hear more from their hearts. All right, we come to the end of, another, end of another I Work For Him show. I'm looking for people to join the I Work For Him nation. I'm looking for a thousand people. I'm, I want to start with a thousand people in Tampa Bay willing to make this commitment. A thousand people to start praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Start looking for start a thousand people that will start looking for ways to befriend those people outside of the workplace. A thousand people that will look for ways to serve their coworkers and employees in the workplace. But while you're doing this, looking for opportunities to pray with people on days when they're, you can tell there's something bothering them. But when you're doing all of this to make sure you're the best and brightest example of a person in your position, a person who seeks excellence, the best employee in your position in the company. Go on to the I Work For Him website and click on Contact Us and let me know you want to be part of the I Work For Him nation. Thanks to those supporting the broadcast of I Work For Him Day. The Most Brothers with Most Insurance, found online at mostins.com. For auto, home, life, and business insurance, you got to talk to these guys. These guys are the best. Thanks to Luke Andrews and Dave Cruz with Bel Air Wealth Management, found online at belairwealthmanagement.com. They're Christ-following wealth advisors. It's what they offer. It's who they are. Both of these companies help Martha and I each and every day. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.